love has done its part And let him reign in my life and my heart If love has done its part Now let him reign in my life and my heart Welcome to Healing Hidden Wounds Radio Sponsored by Shadow of His Wings Ministry We are glad you are listening today And hope you find words of healing, insight and restoration Shadow of His Wings Ministry was founded by Lee and Shay Preston and born out of God's vision for setting captives free. If you would like to support us in the work we do, please visit www.shadowofhiswingsministry.com to donate. Today on Healing Hidden Wounds, Lee is talking with Jonathan Darty, director of Be Broken Ministries. Let's listen in as Lee and Jonathan discuss the ins and outs of recovery from sexual brokenness. listeners um some words on lying so tell us what kind of spurred this on or or where you want to take us this week well i think it's important to look at just our hearts with regards to hiddenness and uh sometimes we look at at hiddenness and we forget to look at the some of the fruit of hiddenness which is lying mm-hmm. um and sometimes, you know, I've heard wives say before, and even I've had a couple of, of, of guys tell me that, you know, well, I've been told I'm a liar or I'm a, I know I, even in one of my counseling sessions and when I was going through healing, my counselor asked me one time, you know, he was wondering if, why, if he thought I was a sociopath, you know, I'm thinking, wow, I don't keep, mm, nice. I don't have any dismembered <laughs> victims in my basement, but I was trying to figure out what that meant. And, and the words pathological liar comes up a lot. My husband's a pathological liar or my husband's this. And so I think it was just interesting as I was trying to think through this is that hiddenness grows that fruit of lying. And sometimes as a Christian community, we can sometimes accidentally just wag our finger at somebody and say, you shouldn't be a liar because the, the uh, Ten Commandments, one of them says, thou shalt not lie. Well, of course, that's a great commandment. <clears throat> the problem is, is that I don't know that God really just wags a finger and says, stop it. What he does is he says, let me show you why you lie. And something that began to, to come out as I began my own recovery and as I've worked with other guys is that sometimes we lie because the truth doesn't go over well. And I think that's a great place to start if you're looking at the reasons why you might lie it's sometimes because I don't want people to see who I really am or the people in my life at this moment couldn't handle the truth. So I pretty it up so they can handle it. So would this be true of, let's say, let's take a scenario of, let's say, a married couple and let's say you're you're counseling the husband and, um, you know, you're getting into his wounds and just getting into some of the patterns of his addiction and then it's the conversation comes up about disclosing to his wife. Is that where some of this, some of these fears and some of this stuff about the truth are, are realized? This guy's saying, well, I don't think, it, you know, it's not a good idea. I need to, you know, I need to not tell her these things. And certainly I'm sure there's been a pattern there sure. of lying. But, but what do you do in sort of a scenario like that where a guy has a history of lying, but then there's also going to be this need for, 
disclosure. I'm sure that just sort of makes the perfect storm in him of anxiety and confusion and fear and just wanting to, you know, run to the hills. <laughs> sure. Well, I can't, I can't think of a wife out there who has gone through a sexual addiction with her husband who wouldn't say he's a liar. Yeah. Because, you know, I don't know too many, at least I've never come across a couple where a husband, you know, confesses right away in the beginning of his marriage that he has a sexual addiction. And then every time he masturbates and every time he looks at porn and every time he's about to go do those things, he goes to her and says, hey, I'm just letting you know ahead of time, I'm going to go in here and masturbate and look at porn for a couple hours. I'll be out in a minute. Right. I don't know too many guys (laughs) who do that, you know, or I'm going out tonight to pick up a prostitute. I'll be home in a couple hours, you know. Most guys have lied, but I think it's more important to look not at the the fruit of what's growing now, but the reason why the fruit or the seed got planted early. The secrecy and the hiddenness previous. That's right. And I think most of the time the seed that gets planted is a seed of perfectionism. Mm. So here's, I guess what I'm more looking at is here's this little boy who's growing up and the truth is is a great thing and and, and we won't argue with that. But what he learns is sometimes the truth gets a huge consequence. And for example, let me just talk to you about a situation. Let's say a little boy does sneak into the kitchen and does grab a cookie out of the cookie jar. And mom says, did you grab a cookie out of the cookie jar? And he says, yes, I took a cookie. I'm sorry, mom, I was really hungry. And she says, that's despicable. You make me sick. I told you not to get a cookie out of the cookie jar. You're, you're just, you just make me sick. I can't believe you do this. Well, do the consequences of him eating this cookie outweigh the eating of the cookie? Yes. And so what he begins to see is, is these people expect a lot from me. There is no room to make mistakes in this home. There's no room to error. Sometimes teaching a child How not to lie is by allowing them to tell the truth and sometimes offering grace in that truth or sometimes offering love in that truth, not you're a despicable kid because you don't tell the truth. You know what? I am, as you're saying that, man, some some real pretty big things are coming together in my mind. And, And one of the, you know, as you were saying that, I was thinking, you know what? We have, on a societal level, we have created liars or those who tell lies because sure. if, as as you're saying that i'm thinking is it really healthy all of this all of this that we do in society of of no one ever loses and just tell your kids they're awesome and our whole goal as parents is to have quote unquote happy children and and this sort of overpraise that is not merited you know it's like hey you you um you know, I'm just going to tell you things about how awesome you are and how wonderful and how great and all this kind of stuff. But the idea of that is we do that based on performance. Absolutely. So what happens in a family where you got three or four kids, one is a star athlete, the other one's barely trying to make C's in, in their classes. Where's the attention go? Man, look at Jimmy, man. He is, he knocked the ball out of the park five times last night and blah, 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 all this kind of stuff. And he's getting all the praise. There's a detriment that I think is happening on two levels there. First of all, obviously, the ignored child is going to have their own set of wounds based on performance environment. Sure. But 
the star child is also going to start carrying their own shame about not being able to share their own inner brokenness. Sure. And is the star child ever going to get to feel comfortable to go home and tell mom and dad, I don't really want to play football anymore. Yeah. Or I'm really angry because I don't like it. I don't want to do this or I don't like my coach. Oh, you just better hang in there because you know what? You're good mm-hmm. and you, you're going to get there. It's like, it's like performance begins to tell a kid that if I make a mistake or if I don't want to do something, then I better cover it up because they won't know how to handle it if I tell them otherwise. Or if I'm just feeling something outside of the perceived boundaries of what you're able to feel and express and, and talk about. And it's like, you know, I think, and and not to throw parents under the bus here, okay? I mean, we're all broken and we're all parents, yeah, so no one's yeah. getting thrown under the bus. Otherwise, yeah. we'd have to throw us all under the bus. Yeah, so. and I think I think what we're trying to say is just the encouragement of saying, man, do we think about this sometimes as parents? Sure. Do Are we thinking about how we might be um, narrowing the options that our children have for being honest? Because right. that's kind of what we're talking about is the fruit that becomes lying, but it starts by what you're talking about here of, of just learning to be secretive, learning to hide things. And so I think we may need to flip this around and I think eventually in this broadcast we'll get to those who have, who have become the ones who lie. But maybe we need to have a moment to talk to parents here to say, you know, that's really where this environment starts is in childhood. Sure. So, so we need to maybe start thinking more as parents of, are we doing things that are limiting the space in which my child can express themselves completely honestly? You know, not to, not to say that they're, that there are no moral boundaries, that there are no, right. you know, direction that you give to your child, but that's part of it. You're training them. So part of it is when your child comes to you and they just want to, you know, beat you on your chest and scream, I hate you. And I'll say, well, you know what? Yes, there's a, there's a way to start steering that and to start directing that. But initially they need the space to be completely honest about what they're feeling. Right. And, and it, I think this is a great example. Let's say a kid grows up hearing, you know what, you better not ever get a girl pregnant before you get married. And what happens when he gets into his own addiction and he starts having sex and he gets a girl pregnant? Mm. What's he going to do? You think he's going to run and tell his parents? No. He's going to figure out how to cover it up. Yep. In whatever way that is. And so what you end up getting then is you get a kid who hides. You better not be impure. You better hold your sexuality until you're married. And that's the only statement that's made. What's the, what happens the first time he masturbates and he finds out that it feels pretty good? You think he's going to run, tell his dad, Hey, this is happening. I don't know what to do with this. I started this. I don't know how to stop it now. Nope. He's going to hide it and say, you know what? Nope. I'm good. Really? I'm good. And you know what? And think about how many people have uh don't have a proper understanding of who God is and so they look at the 10 commandments they look at his boundaries which sure. he's created boundaries right right uh moral boundaries and otherwise and and he says and and so then you've got this person that's committed adultery or they've they've held hatred in their heart towards someone else and and because they don't understand the heart of God they've only seen it in their family what happens when you cross the lines right they even hide from God they even say, I don't want to have any, I'm not going to share anything with God. I'm going to stop praying. I'm not going to, I'm not going to go try to engage God. Sure. And so I think that's part of what happens too in this secrecy is we just begin to start and it kind of, it's almost as if it causes us to sort of collapse in on ourselves. We right. be, we become, um, 
small in terms of just not be, not only do we feel small, but we start to live small. Right. Because they're like, I don't want anybody to know me. I don't want anybody to get inside. And it's because it's too scary. Sure. Well, because what performance sets up is, is I'm never going to be quite good enough. And so, you know, I think it's an amazing question if you can either your kid or your husband, <laughs> they're, they're sometimes interchangeable. All of us <laughs> are that way. But either way, to say, why did he lie? Not just shame on you for lying, but why did he lie? You know, because sometimes I've watched and I've, I've worked with kids, too, and sometimes they'll say, I didn't tell my mom I made a C on my report card. And I say, why? Not, you're despicable or you're a sinister person. Or you better never do that again. Right. right. Because sinister immediately tells a kid, I can't tell you the truth. If you're immediately considering me sinister for not telling you the truth because I'm just a sinner going to hell because I'm a, I'm a liar, then I'm not going to tell you I lie. I'm just going to tell you I'm great. Mm-hmm. But if you, I, if a kid, you know, kid one time said, I'm not going to tell my mom that I made a C on my report card. I said, why? And, and his words stung me. It says, cause she can't handle it. Mm. And I said, what happens? Well, she gets upset with me. She tells me I'm going to be a failure. She tells me that how am I ever going to get into college if I make a C? And so I just feel all this stress. So it's just better that she not know. And I think we have to be careful that we don't do that as well. Expect perfection. Like a husband comes and and he's screwed up, he's fallen, he's slipped, he's done something. And how do we handle that? How does a wife handle that? You know, why are you lying to me? Well, I'm lying because I don't want to hear all the hurt. I don't want to feel like I'm such a jerk for doing all this crap to you. Now, he ultimately has to make his decision Mm -hmm. that he'll always tell the truth, even when that happens. But if he's grown up in a home where there was always this huge reaction to any time he failed, he's liable to hide. And that may be why he's not always telling the truth. Well, and the good news in kind of that story you're telling about the boys that she can't handle, the good news with God is he can handle it. Sure. You know, I think think when you start to understand the heart of God, you realize, you know what, my— Really, my only obligation in life is to live honestly before him. Right. And that will probably make all of your, you know, perfectionistic friends and family and all of that really, really uncomfortable when you start to try to say, when you start living in a way that says, my only obligation is to be live honestly before God. Right. And as you do that, people will be like, oh, you can't say that and you can't do that and you can't, and, and, and I, I have to admit, I mean, I am a, I am still a recovering perfectionist. And legalist, really? you know. Oh yeah, absolutely. You should know that. Yeah, we we have plenty I of conversations. You were <laughs> we have plenty of conversations where we just nod our heads at each other and right? say, "Yeah, that's right. That's right. That's us." But I think you know this idea of perfectionism is an interesting way to look at where a lot of this starts. And I I also want to speak to the person out there because I think sometimes you know generally speaking because there's such a vast majority of folks that develop a sexual addiction and certainly lying is part of it and. And a lot of it has to do with the brokenness and sort of the the forgotten child, the abandoned child, the wounded child. But I do think we need to we need to also address the exceptional child. Sure. Because sometimes they're the forgotten one that ends up having an addiction and, and all this kind of stuff. Because I think what ends up happening is when you have a child that's exceptional, they can have the same issue happen where they learn to hide because they feel like, you know, they've been praised their whole life. They've been told they're the best at whatever they're doing, and they may be, but then they're pigeonholed. Sure. 
they can never be quote unquote normal, average. Right. They can't let their guard down. They can't, they can't be anything but like on stage doing their show all the time. Right. And it's almost like that creates the same kind of hiddenness as the person who says, I can't meet up to the expectations, so I better just lie about all this stuff. Does that make sense? Absolutely, because then the exceptional child finds that the bar is set for him as he always has to be exceptional. Mm -hmm. So if he ever doesn't quite be exceptional, exceptional, then guess what? He better lie to make it look like he was. And I think we find a good number of these guys, you know, Absolutely. that that end up with an addiction. Guys that own a company, guys that have started from scratch, guys that make a lot of money, the guys that are, you know, great talented performers and great all Great pastors, great youth ab- ministers yes, that have absolutely. really been great Christians, yet they've hidden all their junk because if anybody were to ever find out, I wouldn't be exceptional anymore. And I think that is a great point to make. I really believe that's why over 40% of pastors have a current struggle with internet porn right. that nobody really knows about sure. because they, they get pats on the back every single week, and it's just so much pressure to say... Uh, it's almost like things are on a scale. This sort of false praise that makes me feel good every single week versus being truly honest about what I'm hiding. Sure. And wondering if on the other side of that honesty, there could be anything that compares to the the fleeting thrill that I get every week of people thinking that I'm, you know, the best thing since sliced bread. Right. Well, isn't it amazing? I mean... Let's just be honest. It does feel great for people to like us oh, and absolutely. see great things in us. So I don't think that's, I'm almost thinking that may be a God-given thing. Yeah, he, I don't think that's unnatural. Feel yeah. great. But I know I've learned from him as well that he also says there's always room for failure and you will never be perfect. But yet I think, I think we as a people demand perfection. Mm-hmm. I think it's not new. It's been around since Bible times. I mean, you look at Moses. As soon as he was up on the mountain too long, they everybody thought, man, forget it. He's done. He's no good. You look at what he's abandoned us. So we're always looking for that perfection. I think that's why leaders, if you look at it, sometimes great pastors become these great icons of everybody thinks he's mm-hmm. so wonderful. But we have to remember that none of us are perfect. And perfection is evil. I mean, it really is, in my opinion, because it says that I must always live up to something and I can never be real. Well, perfectionism, right? I mean, when we right. try to be perfect, because obviously Jesus was perfect. He's not evil. You know? Yes, that's right. <laughs> well, and but see, he was perfect in that he knew his place. Mm-hmm. We try to be perfect, and yet we don't really understand our place. That God says, guess what, kids? You will never be perfect. So how does how does a person begin to unravel or or begin to, you know, tear down these walls of secrecy, this hiddenness? I mean, first of all, where do they go? Because I think some people who are listening are thinking, listen, I have built quite an empire of secrecy, hiddenness. Um, Yeah. I mean, maybe these are married folks. Maybe this is, uh, you know, who knows, a pastor could be listening. And, And they're thinking, where do I go? You know, where, where do they start? I mean, obviously they've got to, you know, go before God and deal with some of these things, but sometimes we can hide there and not in a good way. Right. You know, we're still doing the same hiding thing. We think that just go in my closet with God and everything's going to be good. When in fact, I think really chains break when we're, when we connect with other human beings, other, other Christians. So then how, 
where does this person go to start saying, I need to start taking the bricks out of this, these walls of secrecy and hiddenness? Sure. Well, I think certainly as we've talked about in other shows, you know, shame is the biggest criminal here because what shame sneaks in next and says is if anybody ever were to really find out who you are, then they would never want to know you. Mm-hmm. So shame keeps the sec- the secrecy and the lies in place. And so I think the best thing would be is to find someone either you 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 don't know at all and try to talk to them and see what they what, and let them know what you're struggling with. Or try to find someone you absolutely trust to say, look, you know, this is what I've been doing. And and it doesn't have to be huge. Let's start on small things, you know. How many times do I lie about just general things, you know. Mm -hmm. I had a husband one time who was calling in a crisis because his wife had, she'd heard all of his really devastating lies. But the one bad lie that she was really upset about now was that, he wasn't at home doing anything wrong. He was just at home playing video games, and he was afraid she'd think he was lazy. So he lied to her about being at work. He said, no, I'm really at work. And then guess what? She calls work, and they say there's no guy here. And so, so you know, it wasn't that he was doing anything wrong. It's just that all of a sudden, it's like now he's back and lying again. How many times does a guy lie to just cover up so he looks better? And that's the perfect example of what we hear over and over and over again it's about image. Sure. Because out of out of whatever perfectionistic tendencies were either thrust on him or he adopted, it becomes about what image am I portraying to my wife, to my children, to my work, to my community, to my church. And and the image becomes the idol. Right. And once you once your image is an idol, you will lie. Sure. You know, and that's that's why I think it's it's interesting you mentioned Moses, you know, because what did they do? They built an idol. An idol, know? right. And and I think, you know, we look back at that and we go, oh, yeah, I'd never build a golden calf. I mean, good right. grief, how how transparent and obvious is that? Right, but we build a golden television. And, or or, or we just else. or we just have our work image. Right. We have our church image. We have our home, you know, and so we have these idols, and to keep them in place, we have to lie. Right. And I think that's one of the reasons that God is so... He, he talks a lot about truth and lies and how much he values truth and how much he abhors lying. Right. Now, notice, though, like when you look in the Scripture and it talks about the things that are detestable to God and it's a false witness and one who pours out lies and talks about thou shalt not lie, notice all of those kind of things. He's talking about what? He's talking about the lying. He's not saying you're a detestable person, you're a horrible, shameful, I don't want to have anything to do. He's saying I don't want you to be engaged in lying. Right. And I think it's because he knows what the heart of that is, what we've been talking about here, about the secrecy and about the hiddenness, because it's saying, in in essence, you're not being real. Right. And God is all about authenticity and being real. Sure. And that's a great point, because I think guys need to hear, and, and hey, there may be even some wives out here who have trouble with lying because of their image. It's It's a wonderful point to make that, God is saying it's detestable, I I abhor it, it's it's terrible, but he's never saying you're terrible. Mm -hmm. And I think we have to keep looking at, because sometimes a guy can hear his wife or somebody say, I just hate lying, and it can feel like he's being told, I hate you. Right, exactly. And sometimes even God, it feels like God's saying, I hate you, you liar, I hate you. Because what does perfectionism do? It's 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 a performance environment, sure. right? 
So then what is your, what do you begin to attach your value to? Right. What you do. That's right. Right. And, and so then when you hear your wife saying, Oh, you're, you're, you, you always lie. I can't stand that. Or even if we hear God saying you lie and I can't stand that. Mm-hmm. What we, the filter through our performance based identity, we hear, I can't stand you. That's right. And, and we see, we hear that from God as well. And, and I just want everyone to hear. I don't believe God does that. No. I think what God's words are is, I think lying is detestable. Why? Because it hurts you and I love you. Mm-hmm. Because it puts you in a place of hiding and I don't want you to hide. I want you to stay out in the open because the more you're in the open, the more I know you and you know me. And I think that would be something I would offer to wives, especially if we're going to kind of wrap up this thing with sexual addiction. If you look at sexual addiction I just offer to wives one piece of advice, and that is give your husband room to tell the truth. Mm-hmm. Because if he's afraid, you're going to jump on him, tell him how horrible he is, tell him what a terrible person he is, call him liar and all these kinds of things. That's not really giving him room to be honest. I'm not saying you can't feel, because if he's coming to you honestly and telling you how much, how he's just slipped up and done something, then it's going to hurt you and you have every right to feel. But just remember, when we come at somebody telling them how bad they are because they're a liar, because they're despicable, because what you did is despicable, then we don't give them a lot of room to tell the truth. We are glad you joined us today and we hope that God had a special word just for you. Remember that Healing Hidden Wounds and Shadow of His Wings Ministry are listener-supported, and all services are provided on a donation basis. If you heard something today that was especially important to you, we hope you will consider donating a gift. Please visit www.healinghiddenwounds.com to donate today. Let him 